Hi, I'm Stephanie Winston Walcott, the former founding fashion director of Lincoln Center, as well as former fashion events director at Vogue magazine. I'm also the author of Melania and Me, The Rise and Fall of My Friendship with the First Lady. Today on the show, we're going to speak about the Trump family beyond politics, the Trump Stepford wives and their real agendas, and the power behind the curtain, as well as Melania Trump's green jacket and the real meaning behind it, and what lies behind all of these Trump family members. Welcome back to this fourth part in our interview with Stephanie Winston Walcott. Now, she is the author of Melania and Me, which was the New York Times best-selling book. Uh, it was about her friendship with Melania, the First Lady, and um, everything that came out of that. We have gone deep into what's really going on inside of the administration, uh, who Melania is, was, and uh, how Stephanie was really... Um, I, I, the, the word I'll use is naive, um, but more naivety uh, in the true word. Uh, if you look at the, the meaning of the word naivete, it's just childlike. It's the wanting to see the good in and believing in that. We've talked about the administration and the puppeteers behind all of it and what's really going on is not what most people are led to believe. Um, and one of the things that I hear from, you know, I have friends who are on both sides of the argument. And one of the things, a friend of mine who's a military guy who is very much uh, pro what happened uh, at the Capitol at the beginning of 21 uh, said, to me yeah but you don't know dove you you're listening to mainstream media you don't know what's really going on well actually i do i don't just listen to mainstream media i listen to all kinds of stuff and one of the things i'm seeing is the the frustration of the american people on the left and on the right and you've heard me talk about this on other shows where i've talked about that the left and the right are the same people the people think they're driven by violence they're not they're driven by their dissatisfaction with the system and that the system uh, was designed originally based on Roman uh, politics, which was a government of the people, by the people, for the people. And what it has become, as I talked about with uh, David Corton from the Club of Rome, as I talked about with John Perkins, who was the economic hitman for the CIA, it's become a government of the corporation, by the corporation, for the corporation, and the system is broken. And people are frustrated by that, but it's not going to change because it is about the money. So now we're at this place here where people are going, okay, you know, we're, we're rallying in the streets. We want to make a difference. And then I think there's also people at the other end who have a lot of money who say, we want to make a difference too. Now, do we want to make a difference to our advantage? Probably. But I think there are some very genuine people who don't realize the, their desire to make a difference is not unlike yours, Stephanie, in that they, they are giving themselves proximity to power, and they are, in many ways, what I've described before as the good Germans. And I described the good Germans as the people who lived in Germany who were very good people. They had businesses. They had families. They didn't particularly agree with the fascist agenda of, of um, that time or of Adolf Hitler. But 
they were invested. They invested in their businesses, in their family, in their country. And they said, if I can get in there and I can have a bit of influence and I can use my money, then maybe I can have some good impact here the way you were trying to do with Melania. And they got sucked into that whole thing. And many of them ended up on cattle charts, um, cattle trains going out to Auschwitz and places like that, as some of the members of my family did. And I know some of the members of your family did. Do you do you see that as a fair assessment? Are, are, are some of the people involved, quote unquote, good Germans, meaning that they're trying genuinely to make a positive difference and don't realize that they're being used? And what and if you do see that, what will it take to to wake them up? Well, that was a very long question. <laughs> no, but I don't know. <laughs> But it, it's so insightful. And you know, what does it take to wake them up? It, my, as you know, we spoke about earlier. My brother Randall and his wife Hillary use the same example to wake me up, because I kept telling them, "But look at the difference I'm able to make. Look what I'm doing with you know being able to be inside those doors. What could I do if I was outside? You know, what I, I'm I'm not looking from the outside in. I'm in the inside." And they use that same exact example as Stephanie, you know, think about your grandparents, think of Adolf Hitler, and you are aiding and abetting. And I woke up and said, oh my God, you're mm -hmm. right. I am actually at the mercy of what these, what this leader, Hitler or Trump are doing because I believe that I'm doing something that can actually reverse the course of history and do the right thing while they're on the sides doing, you know, leading the other direction. It doesn't work that way. No. It doesn't work that way. And you have to really understand that, but it's complicated. And Dov, I look to you to explain it because I can understand it only because I experienced it myself. You know, it, it, it's interesting, Stephanie, because, you know, so coming to the psychological piece here, um, outside of somebody who is a sociopath, which is a biological neurological state, um, um, those people who are narcissists are trained. Most narcissists are trained. Um, my opinion, not the truth, because I have never met Fred Trump and I've never met Donald Trump. But I believe with every fiber of my being and everything I read, including stuff from his niece, that Donald was trained to be a narcissist. And, and the people who are trained to be a narcissist are often, uh, and, and cruel narcissists, are often the most sensitive people there are. So Adolf Hitler was an only child who had a very, really rough childhood and had a hard time and a Jewish landlord who was an ass. And, you know, that reflected on him. He was rejected from art school and, you know, was very sensitive individual. Um, I, from what I read from Mary, uh, Donald was a sensitive kid and his dad was brutal to him and, and called him all kinds of uh, disparaging names for his softness. And so the child that was that beautiful naivete got, buried and armored so strongly that he was not allowed those feelings. And as a result, when his brother died, you know, he had to go to a movie and, and I heard Mary say, you know, I didn't understand how he could go to a movie. I understand it totally. 
it was just like, I can't, I'm not allowed those feelings. So I'm going to go away. Then you have on top of that, you have the, like I said, the sociopath who is not just trained, but there's a biology there. There's a neurology there. There's a, a chemical uh, situation. When you get buried deep enough in your narcissism, then sociopathic behavior co comes to the fore. And, and I see that now. And, and the interesting thing about a dictatorial authoritarian leader who has a narcissistically trained background and becomes sociopathic is they have an ability. And then I've talked about this as cult leaders. They have an ability to connect with somebody at such a powerful level that their words become truth. As you said, when you sat with Melania, you were the only person in the room. I remember um, investigating and looking at Bill Clinton and watching. And I said, the man is a master. He's got the charisma of a master. And they said, what do you mean? When you talk to Bill, there's no one else in the room. He's fully present. John Travolta has exactly the same skills. He's one of the few people too. When you're in the room with that individual, you're the only person. And Donald, who is the most distracted individual in the world, has that same ability. He can focus in. That makes for truth, not in reality, but truth as in perception. I believe what this person is telling me. Every cult leader has done it. So my challenge to you is these, quote, good Germans who are part of the American situation right now, who are believing in Donald, who have close proximity, who genuinely believe he's telling the truth, may indeed be also very sensitive people like you, who wear their heart on their sleeve, who want to make a difference, can't see it. And, and even if you tell them, you know, you said your, your brother and your sister-in-law had you awaken to that, that's not enough. I know because I deprogrammed people. That's not enough. There has to be an emotional element. And I, I genuinely wonder, because you've been in the room, do you see good, uh, did you see genuinely good people trying to be, you know, they use the term the adult in the room. It's not that. Trying to be kind, trying to, to, to really or see something good in Donald and say, you know, you could do this and wanting to genuinely do it. And then, of course, everybody gets thrown under the bus. Everybody apart from Ivanka. I think anybody could end up under that bus except for her. Anybody. Inclu including Melania, including Junior, all of them, except for her, because she is, you know, uh, again, with, with a, with, when you have a narcissistic parent, you don't exist except as an extension of them. You, you are nothing more than an appendage. Ivanka is a Donald's appendage. She won't, he won't cut that off. The rest of them are peripheral. And you're right about that. And the question that you posed earlier, the perception. I mean, Ivanka writes about it in her book. Perception mm -hmm. is everything. If someone says something or believes something about you, don't go and correct them if they've, if they've given you more accolades than you deserve. But there was a moment for me with Donald that um, I need to explain so people understand how um, he is able to take you into his world and you believe him 100 million percent. Mm -hmm. I came home one evening and I was sitting in the dining room with Melania in Trump Tower. 
And I had an issue and I had spoken to Melania about it. And she said, I'd like for you to bring it up to Donald. And I did. And I would have given both of my arms to his answer, believing that he didn't know who Rick Gates was. Now, I naively didn't know who Rick Gates was as part of his campaign. So when I spoke to him about Rick Gates and he said, Rick Gates, who's Rick Gates? Now, in that moment, I would have sold my soul that he had no idea who Rick Gates was. Wow. I am telling you, I came home and again, not right away. It took me several months to realize it. And when I printed out a picture of he and Rick Gates standing three inches apart from one another, both in their red ties, standing on stage together. And when I understood the dynamics of the campaign and who these individuals were, that to me showed me that this man is capable of telling anyone anything that he believes to be true. And he made me believe, and there was a much longer conversation. I explained them what happened again in the story. It, it evolves into what, who Rick and what he does and what happens mm -hmm. and his role in the inauguration. But in that moment, his conversation started about his being on the cover of Time Magazine and me being like, Donald, but you're gonna be the president of the United States. We're planning the inauguration, but I've got another Time Magazine article. And Melania giving him those accolades, the smile, the charm, the sweetness. But in that moment of truth for me, where I needed him to understand the position I was in, who? Who's Rick Gates? Now, I believed him. So in that moment, I now understand what it's like to listen to him. And he also does have this inability to connect directly with you, where he will remember one thing about you, even if it's one thing only. Mm -hmm. And he will always ask you about that. How's your foot, Stephanie? How are you feeling? Is, are you okay? He has the ability to, it's the power of persuasion. It's the power of perception. It's mm -hmm. his ability to bring you in and make you feel so as if you are one with him and that he does care about you. So it, I, I understand it personally. So it's not like I, even the wake up call, you know, is from my brother. It took so much more understanding and breaking down the psychology of who these people were. And that's what, you know, writing the book did for me was almost like, it's like a beautiful mind. I had to, I, I actually didn't have to, I did take big boards and start charting out who all these individuals were, how they were connected, but also trying to figure out how this, how, how Donald and Melania and his children were able to fool me for mm -hmm. years and years. And I believed it all um, until it happened to me. And now when you ask that question of how will people that are trying to do good in the room realize that what they're doing is um, only going to end poorly or deadly for them if Donald decides so, look at Mike Pence, look at our vice president who has supported this man from day one, has stood by his side. Yep. Donald Trump wouldn't care if he was killed, hung or not. Couldn't care yeah. less about it. They marched on the Capitol saying, hang Mike Pence. Hang Mike Pence. So, but does that show anyone the credibility of what we're saying or no? Well, apparently not. Right. So what, so I can't answer that question. It yeah. is so powerful. That control, that he has so much control. But we need to find individuals who are able to break that down for these people. And I think more people need, like you, need to come out and begin speaking, not just on your show, but on every show. 
and explaining the breakdown of personality disorder and not and more so than just even Mary Trump taking it from a level where you have today to, to, which has taught me the difference of all the individuals you've actually spoken to that have taught you the differences and mm -hmm. that knowledge needs to be spread because I have to tell you Dob so much of what you said today I didn't know and oh. it's a learning and for me people like me who don't spend the time reading enough need to hear from people like you who Thank do you. and I genuinely mean that your voice needs to be heard more and so do others like you who have the ability to break it down and break it down where people understand it. Mm -hmm. Simply said, not yeah, thank you. convoluted and not difficult. And I thank you for that because it's taught me a lot. Well, that's thank you. That's very kind. When you when you met Melania it was 15 years ago, um, she was engaged to Donald. You know, and you said they both have this ability to like she blows smoke up his skirt and he blows smoke up hers and their you know their their arm candy and status that sounds like a marriage of convenience it doesn't sound like a love affair um and of course there's a big age gap and all the rest of it is it 20 something years or something right um do you think it was that or do you think it was love no Ooh, i mean melania no, I mean, I met Melania before actually, she was dating Donald. Okay. Um, and so um, Melania knew exactly what she was getting out of Donald and Donald knew exactly what he was getting out of Melania. And it was a, and it was a transactional marriage. Right. And I call it two dynamic decades, right? She went from, you know, a, a striving model to becoming a supermodel and all of a sudden an American citizen. And now she's the first lady of the United States. I mean, it is the American dream sure. immigrant coming and this is her story. He, she was arm candy for him. She yep. legitimized him by being on the cover of Vogue and he needed that. And they yep. used the Met Gala, which I produced for over a decade with Anna Winter at Vogue as their stage, as they're coming out. And Donald knows the price of real estate and that real estate on Fifth Avenue on the night of the Met Gala is worth more than anything you could possibly buy. He staged their engagement that evening, up those steps, up that right. red carpet. And it was on yeah. the front page of everything, you know, every newspaper the next day. Well, he wasn't going to do it in a quiet little restaurant down, Definitely <laughs> down in Soho. Definitely gala. <laughs> oh, my God. But with that being said, you know, Melania was not naive to think that Donald was going to be coming home and changing diapers. I mean, she knew otherwise. Mm -hmm. She didn't care. And was it a love of, of a, a marriage of love? Um you know, they may have loved each other in their own way. What sure. did they get married because of love? Again, my own personal opinion, absolutely not. But they were able to love the idea of being together, I think, because they both loved the idea of what they would give each other. And so there is their own, that's when I, in the book, I called their own kind of love is in order for them to both get what they wanted out of life, they needed one another. And they love that from one another. And so Donald, um, you know, Melania is the only person in the White House that doesn't shake in her boots from Donald. And she mm -hmm. does tell Donald what she thinks. And she does speak with him openly and honestly about what he's tweeting or what he's saying. Whether he listens or not, doesn't matter because no. he can barely listen to anyone. I mean, 
he just listens i mean he's in his own mind and in his own sure. head speaking over her. but you know when you're sitting around the dining room table just the three of us and you're watching her um reflect what he's saying and rambling and it's as if, if he's got six mice in his mouth and he can't go fast enough the truth is that she'll listen and wait until he's quiet and then she will tell him what she thinks and then i of course being me who i am want to say a lot she'll you know she gave me a look sometimes like mm -mm, don't say that but right. the truth is is that they do have their own kind of relationship and it's one where the doors are open mm -hmm. and um it's not as if she doesn't know what's going on she knows everything she knows everything that she needs to know and that's why the enabler is beyond the being complicit she is his biggest cheerleader yeah i think that this is you know because the, the whole thing was that you know melania oh poor melania i mean i love that i'm trying to remember her name there's a comedian who does her on stephen colbert oh my god she's so That's good right, right. She's so, so funny. good but you know it's like she's trying to escape out of the window and all, all kinds of shit but i never had that sense this is this is very much a partnership rather than you know she's under his control but you you've known her all that time so you must have been i imagine because it seems like the timeline is right that you would have been around her when the access hollywood stuff came out when the stormy daniels stuff came out um was she still Teflon then? Or did that shit get to her? She canceled her interview with Anderson Cooper when when the um, tape came out, the access tape came out, the first interview and asked me to come meet her for lunch. Now I was expecting to walk into the restaurant, finding her like in the corner, like head down. Sure. She sure. was radiating, she was glowing. She looked magnificent as if it was just another day. You know, mm. so, and I said to her that day at lunch, I, I said to her, I said, Melania, you know, does it, for me, I, I mean, I use terminology that I can't even use on, on today to say to you what I said to her, what I would do to my husband if, if that ever happened. But, um, you know, she was so, it is what it is. I know who I married. And mm -hmm. she said, and I don't need to justify or give an answer to anyone about anything. And that was the only moment that she didn't believe that he would win the election. That was the one thing that had happened where the, that was her concern, not that, that this tape had come out or that he had said this, but that it was the only time that there was possibility, even a chance that this could get in the way of him winning the election. And before we left the restaurant that day, I said, Melania, are you ready you know, for all of this? And she said to me, you know, I told Donald that if he ran, he better be ready for his whole life to be open and exposed. And I to myself said, well, so do you. And are you ready for that? And she looked at me and, you know, shrugged it off. And, but inside I also thought, well, what about Barron, right? So right. He's, his whole life was also going to be exposed. Um, and Melania talks about how in life things happen and you need to, what, what doesn't kill you makes you strong. And those are her direct words. And mm -hmm. she believes that things happen the way they're supposed to happen. And it is what it is. And she does not care about even trying to change someone's mind, what they think about her, because she knows she won't be able to. She is not going to even care about what other people think about her, because she thinks of what she thinks about herself is more important than anything. I mean, it's really is such a narcissistic, scary way of thinking. 
but it's so lonely. Yeah, I was going to say incredibly lonely. Um, but on top of that, there's also the Stormy Daniels thing came out, and of course, there's misappropriation of funds and legalities. But aside from that, um, that he was sleeping with Stormy while she was pregnant with Baron, I believe, or had just given birth to Baron. So, birth. so did, did that have impact? So, you know, I was- um, Is that more raw? That actually was, but when Melania has those deep feelings and she will not talk about them, mm -hmm. she will find a way where I would say, you know, of all times, Melania, I am so sorry, you know, are you okay? I'm sorry, sorry. It's fine. It's politics. It, it, it's just politics. This, this is just what's going to happen. I don't want to talk about it. Everything was, it's just politics. Wow. And that was her answer to Stormy, to um, a few of the other women. It mm. was that they, she was expecting for that to happen, but she wasn't willing to go there ever to express that she was mad, angry, sad. I mean, you could hear it in her voice and I knew better, but you know, she said to me two times and I have, you know, and I remember the conversation, Stephanie, it is what it is. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. It's politics. And they're going to, you know, the, the left is going to continue to do this over and over. So, so what is this? You know, the, the, the hand flick where she, you know, he tried to grab a hand. So it, it is the art of distraction. It is the art of distraction. Think about it, Dove. Who, what is anybody talking about? Are they talking about what's happening behind the curtain? Or are they talking about Melania swiping her husband's hand and mm -hmm. not focusing on the importance of any other thing that, it, that uh, any other deal that's going through, any other meeting that's happening, any other, I mean, it is their way of, um, and they, it, it's, it's part of the play. It's part. So do you of, think that that, like that slapping away of his hand was a, was a, a planned action between them? Not to... planned, not planned. Just, hmm. just, just that they don't, she doesn't care what, um, well, it could be planned. I shouldn't say that. Let, actually, I need to back up because okay. the first time that it ever happened, I need to tell you what she said to me. Yeah. She said to me the first time, I believe they arrived in Israel when she was wearing the white, um, yep. she's wearing white okay, the, the white um, suit. And she said to me that when that had happened, they went backstage where everyone was waiting for them, their staff, and everyone was on their Twitter. And when they got back there, they, you know, everyone started saying to them, you know, this is what's trending. This is what everyone's talking about. And she said, well, Donald's and I looked at it and we didn't even know what they were talking about. We didn't even know that happened. We were like, what? And so that was her response to me, which mm. I found so ludicrous. But then in seeing that happen over time, um, there were other things that were happening in the news job that needed a little bit of distraction. So I do believe personally, because her admittance to it is that we didn't even know I did it and he didn't even realize it. But to me, there were, I know there were things that were happening behind the scenes that should have been focal to our newscasters that they were not paying attention to. And the swap became the most important thing of the day. Yeah. You know, it, it, I fully agree with you that, as I said earlier, um, I had said in 20, uh, 
in 18, I had put a post out and I said, what do you think Donald Trump's greatest talent is? And, you know, people put all kinds of things. And I said, without a doubt, his greatest talent is the ability to steal the spotlight and to steal the mic. When Colin Kaepernick took a knee, that was against police violence against black people. And Donald turned it into entry patriotism. And, and, you know, he's a master at it. And so when you say that, I, I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense because the, everything is a, is this masterful way to make it about him or their agenda. Now, all that being said, as we're coming towards the end of this uh, this episode, one of the things that stands out to me is what you talked about right at the beginning, which was this um, trying to help Melania with the emotional uh, learning for children and the concern for children. And you said that she genuinely wanted to do that. And, and I get that, that, okay. And at the same time, you've been on the front line with this woman and watched her son come into the world. He's now, I think, 14. And, and so you've been there right from when she was pregnant or before she was pregnant to right to today. This kid is living in a bizarro world and has always been under that. And the media have been pretty good to him in that they, they, they were going at him and then they backed off. But when you look at him and you look at who they are, and that, I mean, you probably have seen their relationship to him. What's your thoughts on all of that? Where does that go? Because that's different than the, the others, the other children. Yes, it's very different. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've been very protective of Baron um, just because I do. I've known him since before he was born. And I um, admire him for his strength, but I feel sorry for him. I really feel so very sorry for him. Mm -hmm. um, he, you know, when Melania says, when, when everything had happened to me originally, um, and I told her my children could not believe that she and Donald would allow the world to think this of me, mm -hmm. uh, her response to me was, well, you have to tell them, Stephanie, that in life, things don't always go your way and that you have to be strong and you have to just move on. And that is what she has told Baron in life. And she believes that he is independent and she believes she's taught him to be strong. But Baron is a child mm -hmm. and children have feelings and emotions. And the fact that she is so ruthless to be able to say that to me, uh, to, uh, to that I should tell my children after my throat's been slit open and after I've been accused of criminal activity, I can only imagine how Baron's been affected. Um, Donald wasn't a part of Baron's life to begin with. No. Um, so I think that, you know, the distance may be the only positive thing that, that Baron has um, to uh, be able to have in this family dynamic. Um, Melania is very loving to him, uh, but it's a different way of loving. And, um, but it's her way of loving. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that um, there is no way to escape the um, harm that this family has caused this child. I mean, you can say anything you want 
Melania's only time as first lady that has come out to say anything about anyone has been when anyone has said anything about Barron. Mm -hmm. She has played the victim. She has made him the victim. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, there are how many children in cages right now and how many children starving and how many children dying. And so for me, I am again going to say right now that I apologize to my, I do apologize to myself and to my family. And I apologize to all of those people that I kept trying to convince that I was doing the right thing because I didn't do the right thing. And I didn't know who I was dealing with and I was played, but knowing that, and it took a long time to realize that I can finally come to terms with the truth and work on myself to, you know, understand that people like Donald and Melania will go to any length to do whatever's necessary to, whether it's their own family and their own child or not, um, to do what's in their best interest, not what's in their child's best interest. Yeah, it's, you know, uh, we're all, no matter who we are, we're all products of our environment and our initial environment is our family. And that's, that's not just genetics, but that's epigenetics. The way that the cells of our body respond based on the environment we're in. And as I said, I believe it's not the truth. I believe that Donald was probably a very sensitive child who was turned into what I believe is a, a vicious individual. Um, I don't know about Melania's childhood. I can't speak to that. Um, and so when I look at Baron and I look at, you have a narcissistic mother and you have a narcissistic father who are, the practicality of, of um, serving themselves is so severe. I don't know how that kid could be healthy. And, and, and I think that there was probably maybe even some health in Eric Jr. Uh, in Donald Jr. Back in the day when he was around his mom, his mom's got some serious issues too. Um, but at least he had some level of objectivity and that's clearly gone. And so I really, you know, I could, I feel for that boy. I feel for, for, for where he is, but I also see, and again, I do this in companies and organizations. I'll say to a CEO, um, you, you know, whether that CEO is a mom or, uh, male or female, it doesn't matter. I'll say as the, as the CEO, you are the, the old school version of the father of the family. And I'll say, who's the mom? And it might be another male. You know, it doesn't, it's not about gender. And I talk about the family dynamic playing out inside of an organization. And when I look at the U.S., I look at it in exactly the same way. I say, okay, who's dead? Right, right now, who is dead? And right, so for instance, I asked that question during W's um, presidency, dad, Dick Cheney, mom, W. He was like Dick Cheney was the king. He was the male. He was the, the alpha. Um, and I see here that we are in an America where dad is Donald Trump. And the people of America are the children who are being manipulated and trained to think in certain ways that become the truth. Because when I ask somebody, I say, um, 
you know, what religion are you? They'll say, oh, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Jew or I'm a Muslim or whatever. And I say, why? And they go, because of my religion. No, no, but why? Because I am. No, why? Well, my mom and dad are Jewish or my mom and dad are Muslim or whatever. Well, so that's not yours then. That's adopted, right? You get that. Oh my God, I never thought of that. Well, that's your belief systems about life. That's the way you see the world. And if mom and dad have a massive megaphone to speak to the entire, not only your country, but your world, you are indoctrinated as a child of that. And by psychology, you will either fall in line or you will polarize. And neither of those things are truth. The difficulty is standing in the truth. My wife is often frustrated with me when I say, I feel for the little boy who is Donald Trump. And she goes, yeah, but the man's doing this. And I go, I know, but I can still see that little boy so desperate for his dad's love that he's mimicking shitty behavior the way that I see Junior. And so my concern for Baron as this, I mean, he's come into this in the most toxic environment. And my concern is for him and the children of America who are being brought up in that with those parents to say, how do you know the truth? How can you be cognitive enough to question, not to go all in for or all in against, but to say, what is the truth? And then if you can go in the middle, can you go in the middle without being a complicit, quote, good German like you were, which is you were in the middle, you put the, the politics to the side, you had a better agenda, you wanted to make a difference, and you got chewed up and spit out, thrown under the bus like everybody else. And, you know, Stephanie, I, I want to tell you that I am so grateful for what you've shared here and giving people a deeper insight into all of this uh, at a bigger level, not just about your own story, but at a much bigger level. And I appreciate your courage to do that. I know that you're involved in ongoing investigations. I know that there's a much bigger picture here. Maybe we can talk about that at some other time. Um, but I really want to thank you for your courage. I want to thank you for your tenacity. I want to thank you for your commitment and your honesty and you're willing to put yourself on the line. I want to thank you on behalf of myself. I want to thank you on behalf of my audience, but I want to thank you on behalf of the American people who need to know the truth. Thank, thank you, you so much. And Dove, I, thank you for having me. Um, I just would like to end with that, the importance of, especially now that we're under this pandemic and we are behind closed doors mostly with our families, with our mothers and our fathers. And as you just said, um, if people could just spend 10 minutes a night, 10 minutes a night with their children, <laughs> even if they just spoke to them to ask them how they're feeling, how was their day? On a, you know, no telephones, nothing else in the room, but purely the ability to even create a little jar with a question that a child can put into it and make it a fun interactive game for those younger children. But to create something where children feel they can go to their parents and ask them anything and have the parents available, not, you know, it, it, nothing should be off bounds, nothing. A parent and a child need to be able to communicate. And I think that under the, especially under where we are today, under the conditions that we live, 
Now is the perfect time and opportunity to do that and take advantage of the fact that we are have no um, ability to say, well, I didn't have time to get home in time before bedtime. There is time. We have mm -hmm. to make time. And um, that's something that I, I think through all of this for me um, has changed the dynamics in my household. Uh, being able to openly discuss everything while still keeping your composure and respect for one another. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of yelling and screaming that goes on. But I thank you for allowing me to share my side of the story and for um, you know, being a part of this, um, this unfortunate time in our world, um, but having played a role in it, being able to have shared with everyone um, the truth behind the, you know, the curtain. And I do hope that people take away from this to really begin to um, listen more um, and to have more perspective. And um, I thank you so much for, for having me. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And uh, I can't thank you enough, as I said, and we're going to make sure that we can get this out to as many people as we possibly can in all the different formats. And uh, for you, dear listener, as you listen to this, uh, if you're just listening to the audio, if you're watching the video, you know, I really want to encourage you to share the show with everyone you know. Uh, there's a bigger picture here, and I, and if you can help get that bigger picture out there, so we can awaken people. As I said, you know, maybe you're maybe you're a Trump fan watching, listening, and you're going, oh, okay, because as I said, this show is dedicated to bringing people together who you might disagree with and seeing things, and I just want to create that curiosity in you. That's what it's all about. That curiosity, I believe, is the cure for the world. In that if we can be curious with each other, we can listen better, we can love each other better, we can respect each other without, without agreeing, but we can honor where the other person is at, and we can see the humanity of that person who's in front of us. That is vitally important. So again, I want to thank our guest, Stephanie. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. Again, you can get her book. Please get her book. It's out on Amazon and everywhere else. It's called Melania and Me. We didn't get into all the ways that that was blocked from you, making any money and doing any of the things. There's so much more in that. But however, go listen, go get it. Go, go read it. Share it with others. Share the show with everybody you know. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can go to our Facebook group, Curiosity Bites, and you can chat about the show there too. Thank you, Stephanie. It was a Thank pleasure you, and honor. Such an honor. Thank you.